and welcome back to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Ryan. That's Matt. Hey, Matt, I got a million different people trying to kick it, but I'm still alone in my mind. Yeah. Ryan, all I know is a hopeless place that flows with the blood of my kin. <laughs> and uh, we are not alone. Uh, we are here with uh, TFT punk correspondent, Rachel D. Rachel, the sun is coming up. Oh, why, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why? Uh, shit is crazy, right? <laughs> guys, guys, shit is crazy. It is so crazy that we are discussing Hopeless Fountain Kingdom. Um, that is not a sequel to Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. <laughs> uh, it is the uh, sophomore album um, by by the singer Halsey, uh, who you may know from her uh, debut hit album Badlands uh, that spawned the hit uh, New Americana, or you may know her from uh, her duet with the um, with the chain smokers the uh, update of uh the human leagues don't you want me for the edm emo age uh but uh, if you if none of those things ring a bell then um you are in for a treat uh, because if, if you're not familiar with halsey's work uh you're probably not the person who will be predisposed to be familiar with halsey. <laughs> <laughs> um uh but that this is this is really an interesting album, right? So this is an album. Um, you know, I I was familiar with Halsey's prior work, um, and, and especially with you know spending a lot of time in spin studios, you get familiar with the um, the overall body of work uh, of the Chainsmokers, and um, and I don't mean to damn this with faint praise, but like uh, closer, um, the Halsey song with the Chainsmokers, which was a huge hit last fall, is. The, uh, the most tolerable of the chain smoker songs, um, <laughs> which is really, again, damning with faint praise. Cause there are a lot of, um, absolutely, uh, toler- uh, intolerable thing about the chain smokers who have been described and welcomed the description of the nickelback of EDM. Um, and they, they, they really embrace that title. Um, but you know, Matt, I know I, I actually Halsey got on my radar because you like badlands a lot. Um, and it sent it to me, uh, two years ago when it was out so um how did i actually got i i got got into it like remember remember when i read a buzzfeed article about lord and yeah. sent you the ep yeah, the uh the love club ep that was like it was almost a year or even 18 months before pure heroin came out yep. before the i mean I, for god's sake we were still a gossip girl podcast back then no, we, we, we liked the lord before it was cool yeah we definitely we definitely did and halsey was another one that got put on my radar because of uh I, I think it might have been – it actually might have been a Sunday New York Times magazine piece about young, like, teenage uh, women, fem- female singer-songwriters. Um, mm-hmm. And there were a couple – I actually – I have uh, I have it open on my – oh, I have two playlists. One is These Kids Today, which is uh, not, not female only. But then it was on with uh, – Maddie and Tay, B. Miller, um, oh, what's that? That other seventeen who uh, I I wish things were simple like when I was seventeen. Who recorded that song? And it, uh, Melody Martinez and, and and more people. Anyway, there was there were all of these. Uh, uh, singer songwriters featured on this thing, and I just put them all on a playlist because I wanted to hear what the kids today were uh, were up to. And you know, you know my affinity for angsty female singer songwriters, and I thought, like, let's see how a new generation does this. And and Halsey was the standout to me because of the kind of the unique. Uh, there, there was a kind of unique uh, quality to her, her, to her voice, both both in terms of her, her voice, voice. She's a good singer, and in terms of her like brand image, you know. Um, the uh, the uh, we are the new Americana, high on legal marijuana, raised on Biggie and Nirvana. Uh, we're the new Americana. Two, two. By the way, two acts: Biggie and Nirvana, uh, who, who we just covered in our last stretch, right? Uh, it, covering the year when Halsey was born, twenty fourteen, twenty uh, nineteen ninety four, um, which seems like it should be illegal to be born in the nineties, and yet here she is because because she's a rebel. <laughs> anyway, I liked it. I actually bought it. I actually bought it on vinyl. It's good, like. Uh, 
it's good kind of like moderately depressive coming home to an empty apartment music like like you imagine <laughs> Portishead was at one point um and uh you know uh, uh yeah and i i sort of i sort of like it i i i think you and i may have different opinions well i know we do because we talked about it before we started recording uh ryan about which of the the two albums is is better and i look forward to duking it out uh later on in the podcast yeah and and i mean i just i remember giving um uh, Badlands a spin and New Americana really did jump out at me and the rest was a little bit of a samey blur um, and and so and I, and I may revisit it uh, because I think that say what you will and we will say say many things about Hopeless Fountain Kingdom but it is definitely not samey samey blur is actually not the, what would one would disparage it Um uh, for and if anything, if it's been um, disparaged by c- critics, it's by kind of having a little bit of this pop by committee feel um, and actually lacking some coherence because here's the song that the re- weekend co wrote, and here is like the set of songs that are kind of a Tuve Lu song, and here are the set of songs yeah. that's a Rihanna song, yeah. right? And so it's a little bit of a sampler of the top 40. But I guess I like that. <laughs> well, you like, uh, you, you know, like those other artists more than you like Halsey, you know? Yeah, and I so, guess like, so, to, right? <laughs> so to the extent, oh, by the way, Alicia Cara is the. Was yes. the uh, was, uh, yes. was the other person on this in this uh, uh, New York Times article? I'll see, I'll see if I can dig in and find it. Um, but like, so so Halsey is good to the extent that she sounds like artists whom you prefer. Well, I think that, but because in some ways, though, I think in doing that, I appreciate the Halsey-ness even more <laughs> because there is still a, a voice there. And, and what I liked in New Americana, even what I liked in her performance in the Chainsmokers song still um, does come through. Um, so and Rachel, you're on this podcast because uh, on this episode, because you also had a uh, strong reaction to Hopeless Fountain Kingdom. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how you came to this uh, this record. Uh, I mean, I. And not positively. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, I don't know. I think, you know, it's this thing where like, I, you know, I, it's not the kind of thing that I would be upset about if it were played in spin class. Um, and it, I think it, it succeeds. Um, it succeeds as like a pop album, I think. And it succeeds as like a collection of pop songs. What it does not succeed as is a concept album with this Romeo and Juliet framing device doesn't succeed on that level. In fact, I don't even know when it like tries to commit to that premise, except for like two spoken word interludes and maybe like a little bit of the Quavo song. And and like I just it's not committed to that premise. So. That would be fine with me if not for the extraordinary amount of press about this premise <laughs> that doesn't exist and isn't fleshed out at all. Well, I guess I guess when it comes to Halsey, I guess it's safe to say that we are two households both alike in dignity. <laughs> Uh, in fair TFT where we lay our scene. Um, and so uh, these violent podcast delights <laughs> will lead to violent podcast ends uh, as we delve into Hopeless, Hopeless Fountain Kingdom. So um, give it a spin. Um, the If you're on the streaming services, it's interesting. We always usually re- uh, re- uh, recommend the standard version rather than the deluxe version. However, there's an interesting footnote here in that the only version that is available um, on Spotify is the deluxe version and it is deluxe throughout right it's not the typical mode of deluxing an album is uh an appendage of you know three to five songs at the end um but that the deluxe hopeless uh fountain kingdom sprinkles them out right and the album kind of and we may get into this kind of falls into rough movements and there's kind of into like thirds or so and there's about one bonus track in each third. And so it's a little hard to pick it out. So I, this is a case where I'm inclined to treat the, uh, the bonus version, the deluxe version as the canonical version. Um, and even there, you know, even as a bonus version, it actually, uh, and, and, and again, I don't mean to damn this with paint frame praise, but it, uh, the album moves along efficiently and at a good clip. Yeah, it's um, right. Exactly. It's not like there's this, this huge dead weight. It's almost conceptually. You can imagine, 
imagine it like three EPs with bonus EPs, like with deluxe EPs, so that the songs are are sprinkled in at the end of where each EP would end, right? Yeah, I think that's right. I think yes. I think, I think I, it's a great way to frame it. Because I and I think that it really is, and we, we should we should dive into it because I it really understanding this as three EPs uh, is uh, is is the is the right way, and that's how I came to make sense of it more or less. Um, I was thinking of them kind of as movements in my more charitable moments, <laughs> um, but that there are three distinct collections, um, and that's kind of the level at which it coheres. But it, but you know, and moves through them pretty quickly and again maybe i'm just still on the come down from 50 song memoir right the, the, like this whole album is like about a decade of uh of uh, of, of of the mag- magnetic fields uh, uh album of stephen merritt's life so um, i don't know i feel like stephen Mer- sorry not to i know you were about to transition but i feel like stephen merritt as a songwriter is at a place where pretty much all the thematic material in hopeless fountain kingdom could be contained in like a stanza and a half of the, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, of the third of the third album, right, of the twenties decade uh, of uh, Fifty Song Memoir. But anyway. No, no, that's exactly right. That there is, um, you know, sometimes less really is more. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so, but put on Ho- Hopeless Fountain Kingdom, um, enter the spin studio of your mind, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and, uh, and allow, imagine, Im- imagine star-crossed lovers in a spin studio, and that is, that is the, ha- uh, hashtag vibe of Hopeless Fountain Kingdom. Oh, they're so, like, uh, they're, they're in the sideways-facing bikes, and they just, they just pedal and pedal and pedal, but they never get any closer to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right, and they're like, opposite each other so when it's it's like when they're mirroring the instructor they're actually um they're actually like mirror they're like out they're, against they're out each of sync. other they're, they're out, out of, of sync. sync yeah yeah they're Oof. in sync with the beat but out of sync, sync with, with each, each other. other and that's like better poetry than is on any of, uh, of this album <laughs> at all right there right there um but that said i'm still telling you Listen to Hopeless Fountain Kingdom and meet us uh, back here after this word from our commercial sponsors. Do you feel yourself alone at night unless you're having sex? Yeah. I mean, I just like I just sleep on bathroom floors. Well, uh, if you need to marry your hopeless, uh, empty, broken uh, shell of a self to the hopeless, empty, broken shell of uh, another uh, person, a member of your preferred gender as a sex partner, why not try Tinder? Oh, Tinder? What is this Tinder? <laughs> I've been on the bathroom floor for a while. Wait, wait. So, like, is it like, are you telling me to, like, start a fire with Flint? Well, I'm telling you to start a sexy fire with the Flint of your left and right swipes. That's right. You can meet other people just as lonely and desperate as you are on a dating app. Oh, hey, did you swipe right on me? Oh, yeah, I did. Cool. So you like, want to like bone? Yeah, I think that'd be a great way to kill some time. Cool. <laughs> Give each other the messiest head with Tinder. Oh, uh, do you have a towel? Uh, yeah, I think so. It might be dirty. That's okay. I'll make it dirtier. Cool. And we're back. <laughs> uh, Ryan and, and Rachel, I have a question. We are. Oh. We accept your question. It's yeah. actually. It's a. It's an exercise. I'd like. I'd like yeah. to do. I'd like to do an activity together. I think right? I had an activity too. I'm really curious of whether we yeah, had the same activity. That's true. Plan. Ryan had an activity plan. I, I, I had. I had. I had a handout. <laughs> <laughs> so I. I. Uh, I've. Uh, I've drawn here uh, on the board a continuum that goes from for real to not for real. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have three post-it notes here and I'd like you to rank these three post-it <laughs> notes. Just put them where you feel they fall on the continuum of for real yeah. and, and not for real. You ready? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. One is Halsey. Mm-hmm. Okay. The second is Lana Del Rey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the third is Taylor Momsen. 
So of Halsey, Lana Del Rey, and The Pretty Reckless, where do you think, like, rank those in order of, like, stack rank them from, from uh, for real to not for real, or the other way? Mm. So, like, mm. so let's do the, uh, I mean, you just do the sure, comparisons, sure, sure, right? Sure. Like, sure. So I'm going to uh, draw a three-dimensional sphere uh, around the plane of the blackboard. <laughs> 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 All right. and, and Lana Del Rey is moving around, around the outer sphere uh, in, in a kind of hovering, uh, in, a, in a kind of uh, a hovering hologram around the plane of reality uh, is where <laughs> in, in a kind of hyper real projection. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um uh so Halsey uh Taylor Momsen is um is so t- Taylor Momsen weirdly is kind of in the like is basically in the um in in for real, but casting a shadow towards not for realness. Uh-huh. Um, in that uh, in that she's really she is very she is actually into um into what she is doing uh, into her uh, into her butt rock yeah into uh, her butt rock rebirth or her like you know I yeah. don't know hardcore uh, her like poison warrant you know it, she really is our cherry pie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but but like is but like where she loses the for realness is a little bit of a, a defense mechanism. Um, Halsey believes. <laughs> Halsey believes she is uh, in the the kind of Lana De- Del Rey sphere. Um, she she is uh, uh, she, she uh, uh, Halsey has Lana Del Reyified herself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, uh, and and in that uh, and and I mean that in the sense of reification of she it believes she is. She is so real that she is hyper real, uh, but she is actually, in fact, just not for real. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, how would you like to answer? No, that it's question? funny. I I totally agree with Taylor Momsen. Um, I think I, I'm going to just stick to the linear um, the linear model. Oh man, wake up, sheeple! <laughs> no, I know this is. I guess like this is like the, the Brit, like the disagreements in physics or something. I don't mm. know. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna just stick to the linear model of the universe. Um, and I think Taylor Momsen is the most real mm. because I agree. I I do think she believes in in. I think she believes in what she's doing very heartily, um, and is very committed to what she is doing. Um, I mean, actually, though, I would I. I think Halsey believes what she's doing too. Mm. Um, yeah, I think Halsey actually does believe in what she's doing. I think Lana Del Rey is the most. Um, I think okay. I think Halsey maybe is like the the most damning thing I'm gonna say is that I believe that she believes what she's doing, but she's just actually very pretentious well i mean so it's it's so i mean i think in some ways and there's probably other ways to slice this but it's like it's hard to right that i i think that we've talked about these kinds of approaches and this isn't exactly the right application but it's like in some ways in terms of assessing this we have to kind of separate between kind of intent and outcome right yeah so it's that i think halsey is intending to be very real <laughs> uh, uh yes i think she's intending to be very real and i and um we may, I know you have an issue of how pretentious is you so i may have used this correctly i think i think halsey has like bad taste and kind <laughs> of like not totally well developed like ideas of like self and stuff which is okay cuz like she's very young right but I don't – I think it's like she sincerely believes in her like – she sincerely believes in her kind of – in her – she sincerely believes in her perspective and worldview, um, which is all seems a little bit like kind of overblown or something, even though I do think she has lived hard lives or you know, lived hard things. And, and I do think she is – there's a certain amount of raw honesty I do believe in her sincerity. Um, I think Lana Del Rey is like, 
a complete construction of something. I, I don't know what Lana Del Rey is. Yeah, she's, it's, like, she's literally pretentious, right? Because she's pretending. Yes, and I, I she's like a big. She's a big like pillow of lips, like well, this is why singing I, this sad is why, songs about is, Cadillacs. Yeah, this stuff. is why I put her in like hyperspace. Yeah, she's right? she's in hyperspace. But she's like she's just like something else altogether. She's like sad Cadillac song, like a cattle, like you know, it's like sad songs about babies and Cadillacs <laughs> and and feeling depressed and uh, it's like this whole other like Lana Del Rey verse or something. Okay, so let me oh. drop one. Let me drop one more person into yeah. the mix here. Okay. What about Lord? Yeah. Right. Because she's in this. She's in this constellation. Yep. Yeah. But I think she's just better. Like I think her yeah. music is just is just better conceived and executed than than the rest of them. And and like with this, I want to talk. I think because Rachel, I think you're right on about about Halsey and what and and kind of her what she's trying to do in terms of like constructing some sort of epic narrative of of herself, right? Um, but like uh, she does it. Lord's next album is called Melodrama, right? Yeah. Uh, and you know we don't like to call her shot, but I'm sure that as soon as it's released, we'll cover it. Yeah, and, yeah. And, the- and we are. And I, I will say I'm very nervous about this. I, I mean, because like like Lord is Lord is more or less the reason that we are now a a music podcast. Yep. Right. We discussed. You know, we we were on a long hiatus. Long time listeners will know that at, we were a bit lost after Gossip Girl ended. Um, and I mean, it I was, think America well, was lost as well. I, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we all didn't know what to do after Gossip Girl ended. <laughs> right. I mean, some will say like the defining kind of pre and post was uh, of of uh, the 21st century is 9/11, but I would say it's pre and post the end of Gossip Girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, you know and Gossip Girl to, to, Gossip Girl does more to explain the rise of Donald Trump than really anything you know and it's probably the defining thing of our our adult life like how do you explain the huge social change in america that that was uh crystallized in the election of the 45th president yes barbass um but so uh, what I was going to <laughs> say was, yeah, so that I mean, I think Lord is is just as an aside in thinking about melodrama is it's one of these albums, along with like Run the Jewels three that I'm the most nervous about in the run up because it's it's a, you know, an artist that is like important to me that has had a good track record so far. Right. And and the one thing about a impeccable track record is that it makes the breaking of that track record all, all the much more disappointing. And I think the thing that increases my um, my my anxiety is that uh, the new Bleachers album is not good. Um. <laughs> um, it is really it is talk about overblown and and i mean so this is a yeah i mean i, I think we can we have we, we may discuss that and we may discuss it uh, peripherally when we talk about um, melodrama because i think it will be a relevant uh, reference text so i do think so i think that and this is why this dimension is is uh, uh, the unidimensionality is difficult because it's about i mean i think the way i'm t- talking about this is uh, in in terms of of kind of um, basically distinguishing kind of um, kind of intentional realism or kind of so con- Kantian re- realism, um, and again this is is playing fast and loose, but a kind of uh, you know deontological realism uh, versus a, a the the consequentialist realism, right? That, that I think Lord both. A, 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 like intends to be real and lands at a realness. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that Halsey is trying very earnestly for realness and, and, and lands somewhere that doesn't, at least on this album rings a little false. Um, and, and I think that, and, and I think here, here's here's my exercise <laughs> that I would like to propose, okay? Because uh, it gets at this, and, and and Rachel alluded to it a little bit, um, based on on your kind of understanding of the themes of this album and and what is going on in this collection of songs. 
what is a um, work of literature? Um, could be Shakespeare, could be anything else. That is a better framing device for this album than Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Um, there are some like German Bildungsromans, <laughs> right? Like, and the one, the like, the classic one, the one that I know that's my like cocktail party conversation one is the Sorrows of Young Werther. Yes, I was gonna just mention that. <laughs> okay, yes. there you go. Yeah, it's uh, my jam. <laughs> this is the Sorrows of Young Halsey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's it's like it's really heavily sentimental, way overblown, sort of adolescent in its emotion emotional understanding and uh yeah uh, right i don't was that where is that the same reasons you you liked it rachel i yeah no i think that's a great i was thinking i was having that same thought you know and had this album been framed as like this is my take on the sorrows of young Werther. I would have liked it a lot more. Oh yeah, <laughs> I would. I would have been. I would have given her so much more credit. <laughs> and I think it would work because then it would. You would also get. I mean, you could then just refine. Like especially, I feel like musically, the middle EP, the middle portion of the album. So mm-hmm. kind of from Good Morning, um, and which then it kind of is a suite with the Quavo duet "Lie" um, and uh, and uh, "Bad at Love." Um, and the walls could talk. And the walls could talk. Oh, right, which is the kind of um, Destiny's Child slash Britney Spears, Britney Spears throwback, kind of throwback song. song. Yeah. Um, and then and and don't play as well. I actually threw strangers. So that like big middle chunk of the album, I think, fits really well. I think sonically and lyrically with that um, with that building's Roman. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's a good one. Um, mine sort of was also uh, was a little bit uh, uh, dangerous liaisons. Okay. Uh, and- any of the incarnations um because i i mean what i see as a lot of and that's not quite right um but that i see it as you know and and this kind of connects to your answer as well is that the the a lot of the problems um with relationships right so that yes this album has relationships and it ha- it has relationships that add b- end badly but like you know the those two things do not add right relationships pl- plus going badly does not equal Romeo and Juliet. Juliet. It can equal a lot of things. It's underdetermined. Right. This, right. Well, it's a bad, it's a weak misreading, right. Of, of Romeo and Juliet. Right. Like, cause, cause everything that goes wrong in a relationship on hopeless fountain kingdom is because like Halsey is like just so dark and brooding and unlovable and love is yeah. impossible. And right. her partners, the, the men and women who are her partners are all assholes. Right. 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 And they're all unavailable. Right. right. Or distant. And, the, and right. she's too, and, and she's too, she's too famous and she, yeah. they, they resent her for that, but she also like thinks she's too big for them. And like the, you know, the, all this stuff, that's not the story of Romeo and Juliet, right? Like the exactly. story, exactly. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet is about, uh, is about to, to sort of adolescent lovers, but it's about a society, right? And like in that prologue, which, you know, she reads on the record. So it's, it's, uh, uh, I, I suppose it is pretentious in that it's a pretense of intellectualism because it's not uh, because it's badly understood. Right. Like right. the first the yes. first line is two households. Right. Yeah. This is about a society. It's about the interaction right. between yep. two kind of dynasties. It's not yep. just about uh, it's not just about the. Um, the the two lovers it's not just a romantic romantic tragedy and the the like the knock on romeo and juliet you're like uh your high school english teacher's knock on romeo and juliet is that the play is defective as a tragedy because the uh the um the downfall of the lovers seems foreordained rather than being kind of encoded in their characters uh the way it is in a lot of the great tra- shakespeare's great tra- tragedies later on where it's some sort of deep psychological characteristic of the the tragic figure that that causes the um you know that causes the thing it seems like star-crossed lovers it seems like chance fate you know the convenience of plotting and things like that but that that's not right it's about 
it's about a society and how the society yeah. makes love uh, makes love impossible. And so this is a, I mean, yes. this is a, <laughs> I suppose it's a critique <laughs> of society in a roundabout way in that like the, the society that would allow this critique to emerge can't be worth very much, but, right. <laughs> but it's not actually, it, it sort of misunderstands what, what it's, it's purported source material is all about. Well, exactly. And, and that's what, what I was kind of getting at in this kind of, you know, she, but, but I don't think she is like, I think she believes in the, the, the Romeo and Juliet is resonating with her. Um, and I, I do think that there is an earnest um, element that this is, you know, that something about this does connect to with for her what she wants to say with this album but for people who have you know um like that that for us who uh like have i i would say she's relatively far away from the like the kind of any kind of conventional or even you know strong interpretation of Romeo and Juliet, so it makes it ring very false, right? Uh, and it and it diminishes, and this is like a hard thing. It diminishes the consequentialist realness, right? That it makes it feel like like that this is you know it, it 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 makes the whole thing feel less of like a coherent artistic statement. Because I mean, going back to what you're saying about um, like the 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 friction between what it, what Romeo and Juliet is about and what is kind of contained in the prologue and what is on this album, it comes in right away, right? So that, you know, that the prologue sets up society and these kinds of structural forces. Um, and then the verse, the sung part of the prologue says, I am a child of a money-hungry, pr- prideful country, right? And so it starts immediately with I am, right? Yeah. Um, and, and and so that this is an album, right? And then I'm a child of a money-hungry, prideful country. And so the things that are happening here are things that she has uh, internalized and the other characters have internalized from society, right? And so that um, – so, right, that it, it is about sp- very specific – Social norms, right? This album is about social norms or about anxieties, um, about psycho- social psychology as internalized and how that shapes relationships, but not about the actual, you know, parents telling kids to do s- certain things, right? And, you know, actually kind of more billiard ball kind of realist <laughs> things. And as a, as a real nitpick, right? I mean, once she's a child of a um, money-hungry, prideful country, well, I mean, you know, uh, not to, to really nitpick, you know, the world of Verona, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but is a city-state, right? <laughs> right, it's not a country. <laughs> well, um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, was country understood in quite the same way as it is as it is today but but fair enough no but this is important it's a different kind of political unit where you actually have um these much more small units that are colliding with each other like billiard balls uh, and and within those you have families right that you like like country implies a state <laughs> um, right and like country implies almost like more of um a national identity yes, yes then is like i think sustainable by like a city state or like there's i don't know i think it's like I, you know i guess i guess there's like an identity of like i am from venice right i am from florence but but it's not nationalism I, it's not na- it's like a, i i feel like it's different and i i do think that like the kind of relevant cleavages are still more like the class cleavages of like, am I a Medici or am I not? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, no, but, and this is why I think that like, I like going with Gertha is, is better. Um, uh, wait, wait, yeah, is, is, is better um, because that's getting closer to the rise of, of nationalism. Right. And so, mm-hmm. because I, I do think that this idea um, is, is there, I, I think that country isn't, accidental for Halsey. I mean, given her work on new Americana. And I think that what was there was this really interesting intersection of, um, of, of nation and, and generation. Right. And, and I think that that is a preoccupation for her. And so I think that there actually is a concept album here that extrapolates from some of those themes, um, in kind of how elements of, of society kind of shape, 
love and shape love in this era. Um, and there's just a bit of there's there's a bit too much friction with the Romeo Juliet thing that I think makes it uh, makes it more pretentious than she intends to be. Um, whereas uh, and, and kind of closing the loop on this, like the Bleachers album is exactly as pretentious as it intends to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, and right, I mean, it features you know Jack Antonoff on the cover as the you know admiral the admiral of of the navy of pomposity right? um, <laughs> and uh and and it doesn't like you know and it and and it doesn't it doesn't in a black and white photograph it well, doesn't this, up. yeah i mean the, i i think the the fundamental confusion right like has to do with the difference between individual and collective traits mm-hmm. and individual and collective sort of experiences and meanings right like in in the Shakespeare to say civil blood makes civil hands unclean points at a civilization, right? Like points yeah. at a, a, a individual action within the context of a, uh, you know, within the context of a, a larger social structure. And here, the idea of like uh, a money hungry and prideful, these are individual traits, Right. Mm-hmm. And to sort of ascribe them mm-hmm. to the country sees the yeah. country as as an individual rather than as as something with kind of emergent, uh, yeah. you know, emergent characteristics yep. based on um, uh, based on the individual action, but not totally coex- uh, coextensive with the individual action of the, you know, of the the various of the various member member uh, people. And I mean, I think that like there's sort of it, it's also like even if you read just the love parts of Romeo and Juliet, like Romeo and Juliet is is pretty like they're fallen in love as teenagers is pretty healthy. You know, like if you read mm-hmm. it, it's none of this like uh, all this Halsey stuff like uh, I think there's a lyric on Badlands that's like my neck is begging for a fist around it or something like that right like there's none of this hold me down slap me kind of uh, you know kind of very jaundiced uh, uh, sadistic Halsey stuff it's it's as almost as normal a love as you can imagine and when when uh, when the friar is saying these violent delights have violent ends, he's talking about, yeah, he's talking about like, whoa, 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 your adolescents don't rush ahead too fast. But he's right. also slow, slow your roll a yeah, little bit, right? <laughs> exa- exactly. He's not saying that like these violent delights have violent ends come into my red confessional of pain. Uh, that like, you know, it's not, it's not 50 shades of Verona. It's, it's, uh, it's just as about as normal and healthy as you could as you can imagine and it's really the society it's the parents um that are you know that are uh and the kind of the the deeply entrenched resentments that that cause the the tragic outcome at the end um this well right it's like, that yeah. romeo and juliet are like they're they're not exactly bad at love. They're just unlucky, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. You're Whereas Halsey is bad at love, right? She is like bad at love. Um, it, it, once you are saying that you are bad at love, you are right. Like, um, I mean, it's one of these things where it's like, well, like, you know, then you know, right? Yeah. It's, it's back to <laughs> the. Di- I mean, the diagnosis. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why you abandoned me. Yeah, yeah, you do. Like, <laughs> the, the, the diagnosis is the disease. To a certain yeah. extent, with that, you know, yeah, cash that, cash that out a little bit. Oh like, well, like if you're saying you're bad at love, like yeah. the problem is not necessarily. It's like it's it's the problem with with the Cartesian cogito, right? Like when you say I think, therefore I am. The the two eyes are at different levels of are at, yeah. at different levels of reality. Like there, I I think I the agent think, therefore I the thought. Uh, am you know uh yeah. but the um uh the the same thing is like i i'm bad at love is like if you're saying that your problem <laughs> is not necessarily the reality situation of being good or bad at love your but your problem is that you're saying that right right like, the fact that you you would make that claim about yourself right. is actually more consequential yeah. uh is more consequential and neither romeo nor juliet yeah. was bad was bad at love and, and no, I, th- I think yeah. that like the thought didn't even cross their mind right they just were were they you just are yeah, they were doing it they were just like yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Because I think to say that you're bad at love is really saying, I refuse to actually commit to you. Yeah. At, at the heart yes, of it. Yes, exactly. Right. So- As opposed to Juliet, who said, like, in this, I mean, some of Juliet's in that balcony scene and, and in the the Obad scene, like some of the, the most beautiful love poetry in English, right? What she says is, is uh, my bounty is as boundless as the sea, my love as deep. The more I give to thee, the more I have for both are infinite, right? That's not like, oh, I can't, I can't get it up for you anymore, right? That's not like... And, 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 it's, not, and it's not, uh, I give the messiest head, you give the messiest head. <laughs> right. And 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 to be fair, you know some of these people who like she says she's bad at love with sound like 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 she le- like has legit reasons for not being committed to them or not making the choice to love them. But I do think it's just like I I do think there's this kind of like there isn't the clarity of of having had maybe like a, a stable like healthy relationship with someone to like know that like no it doesn't have to be like this. You're not bad, be- right? It's it's you know being bad at love is 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 not a thing <laughs> well it's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, prophecy. right um mm-hmm. and it's it's one of these things where there are there are patterns that allow you to say well i'm bad at love right and so that there's there's being bad at love in the operation of the, of the mm-hmm. relationship but there's being bad at love in the selection in level, the selection process right? Right, which I would huh. say is a selection process because you know if someone calls you a bitch, yes, you should not commit to them. <laughs> but uh, but that is like yeah, that's like a selection process, bad at love, and not a yeah yeah yeah, and not you know. But if you were yeah, but th- th- to say you're bad at love, I think just really implies that you refuse to commit for one reason or the other. Because you are not, and and at the uh, at uh, at the high meta level, you are bad at committing to the idea of love. Yes, <laughs> right. Um, and I think that this is here throughout the album. I mean, the uh, there's a lot of well, right. Uh, it, like, sorry is one that comes to that comes to yeah. mind yes. in this, uh, where the lyric, the chorus may as well be. It is too late now to say sorry, because you did not want more than just my body. It is too late now to say sorry. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Uh, she's she's by the way she's uh she's opening for Justin Bieber a couple times uh, wow. this summer. Uh, oh, they can play their they can play their sorry songs. I wish uh, I wish the Chainsmokers would go on the road with Trent Reznor and they could play their closer songs <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> together. Um, you know. Uh, uh, here's the chorus. I'm sorry to my unknown lover. I'm sorry that I can't believe that anybody ever really starts to fall in love with me. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the bad at love, you know, that's the bad at love. Um, that's the bad at love thing because like, Hey, change your mind about that. Right. Yeah. yeah. This is kind of a, this is a sorry, not sorry. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, that, uh, you know, and and like it's sort of it, it. You get the sense. I don't know. I just get the sense from these lyrics that it's almost it's almost preferable to have this relationship as a might have been. You know, as a kind of as a loved and lost, uh, rather than than having it as an actual going concern. Right? That like it's it seems. It well, looks, this is a maybe. This is maybe a better to have never loved at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I guess what I'm saying is that it like it almost looks better in the rearview mirror. Right. Yeah, yeah. Then it doesn't. Then it does in front of you. But the the uh, um, right that like the and the kind of the bittersweet of like uh, I didn't mean to try you on, but I still know your birthday and your mother's favorite song. Right. You know that like. Uh, um, I don't know. This this one to it's, me was it's the, that's the meatloaf conjecture, right? <laughs> Objects in the rearview mirror may appear closer than they are. Right. Right. I like. Right. I like the. Uh, yeah, and, and this the, to me, this was like the Adele vibe song, you know, because uh, this was the piano ballad. Uh, Rachel, you have made, you have made a face. Would you like to say how you feel about this song? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Adele is that's like a good or Lady Gaga and her like bad Lady Gaga, bad Lady Gaga. Yeah, it, it, it just like, like jo- Joanne era Lady Gaga. Yeah. Yes, yes, it does. It does not fit on this album, and I and I think I I, just, I think it's also like. I, I think there's it's like it's like a hacky pretentious look at me I'm an artist move. <laughs> I sat down at a piano. 
like when the entire album doesn't sound like that. Like, you're going to do piano, fine. But one song, I don't know. It's not even like a Laurel Canyon piano vibe or something. <laughs> right, right. It's not uh it's not Carol King. She's no, not right. she's not Carol King in it out. <laughs> no, no. I could I could do that. <laughs> You'd be down, you I'd yeah. be down with yeah, that. You, you can fucks with some tapestry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, or similarly, you could take the bones of the song. You could have a ballad, but kind of have it be more electronic washes, whether it's kind of more beach housey or mm-hmm. more kind of like ambient uh, an yes. ambient build because because it, it's just it's not the it's it's too late in the album for the piano to just show up yes right like we've established the palette here um and yeah. it's it's largely things that go uh beep and boop um and and, and, and yeah i actually like i i checked my texts a couple times while listening to this record like i thought that i heard my alert noise and it <laughs> turns, like it turns out it was uh turns out it was like an aspect of the production <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting, right? It's it's uh, right. Same same. I thought I kept uh, my alarm kept going off, but it was just some of those ambient marimba noises. <laughs> you know, if anything, where the song is placed in the album gives like uh, more strength to the several EPs argument, because I would describe it as being sort of at the end of the first EP. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is when you might say, "Hey, let me throw a piano ballad in." Right. I'm going to end I'm going to end this thing with a piano ballad. Yeah, yeah. Uh and it's uh you know and I would say that first EP is like the very like middle of the road contemporary electro pop album. Yeah. Yep. Um I feel like none of the songs really are like they're not bad, they're not great. Um they're not really that weird. Uh, they all sound like they could be played in spin class and remixed well. And I think 100 Letters, I believe, is the single. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I think that that's the single. And that, that kind of fits with that MO. Yeah, and I, I think to me that was like the straight-ahead poppy P. Um, it doesn't sound, other than the prologue, there's nothing about that part of the album that sounds to me like like overly uh like a like like a big conceptual arc is trying to be built. Um I don't think we really hear that until after the piano ballad, after sorry. And what and what do you make of that that second EP then that kind of starts with Good Morning the I feel like that is where like the yes, I think that is where like the concept album actually starts. Yeah. I think um those songs uh structurally just are kind of like have a larger scope. They like they seem to actually have been like written as like to sound more like they're part of like a suite or like they're or, or like, like that they're part of like a larger um, structure. Uh, and, you know, they're not they're not there's pop songs in there, but I think there's enough like inter- there's enough interesting kind of um, deviation from pop structures yeah. that make it sound more like a uh, expansive kind of narrative is being built. I mean, definitely the uh, uh, good morning. Uh, definitely the w- once the music kicks in, feels like the opening number for a musical about vampires. Right, <laughs> like the sun is coming, coming up. up. Oh, why, oh, why? And yeah. I, you can just imagine people like you know a bunch of vampires scurrying around the uh, a, a, a cityscape, getting back to their their coffins before the sun comes up. <laughs> the, yeah, no, yeah, I, I I totally yeah, I I think it does sound exactly like that. Sorry, Matt. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I was gonna go. I was just going to free associate to other musical styles that I that I heard on the record. But like at the beginning and the end, did you hear a little touch of like Imogen Heap, uh, like yes. that, that that sort of vocoder, uh, right? Like manipulated vocals, kind of robot yeah. robot voice, uh, sort of sound. I mean, I don't know. That's what I to me. That's one of the stronger uh, uses of that of that technique. And that's like 15 years ago. So, um, I, you know, I can't, but like- uh, well, the more, the, the more recent, uh, incarnation of that is, uh, is bony. Yeah. That's, right? Right. When uh, I, sure. that's, that's our shorthand in our household for that kind of thing. She's, oh, she's bony. Oh, she's bony. Very. <laughs> uh, she's, she's boning the old Iver. <laughs> <laughs> um, that like, there's a, there's some PBR and B on this, right. Uh, with one song that's co-written with uh, the weekend, right? Yeah. 
I think the was it eyes closed. Eyes closed. Um, and and if you listen to it with your eyes closed, you'd be like, oh, does the weekend have a cold? Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, that that uh, you know, I don't know. And and this was the thing. This is why for me, like, even if you don't like this style, Badlands had a unity of style. You know, uh. like it was the product of it was the product of a single voice. Um, and and this seems a little more engineered to me and that the, though though uh interesting in the songwriting there is a consistent worldview just sonically it seems like we're we're like aiming for a maximum number of radio formats or we're like it's not exactly a shotgun approach it's it's uh we're we're targeting a specific range like uh you know a specific domain of uh of radio formats and that's I mean it really is it really is or right it's a specific um I mean in this day and age it's like a specific range of sp- of cura- curated Spotify playlists right yeah. uh, the Spotify stations well yeah the, exactly uh-huh. that yeah we're, we're trying to get on like Apple Beats 1 and you know I don't I mean I don't know what what even the the uh Well there's a few there's a few I mean the I, I don't uh, know all of the major Spotify playlists I mean the of one those that, serious XM stations you know Yeah yeah exactly and well in um Spotify land uh, I highly recommend if you if you like Halsey I recommend checking out the Spotify uh station that is called Teen Party I believe uh <laughs> is is one I bet some of these songs are on Teen Party um uh, is aside one that this is not on, but is one of the ones that's a regular in our household is rap caviar, uh, <laughs> uh, as that is the kind of that is a place, and there's actually a great article somewhere about the kind of combined algorithmic and the data science and human touch that goes into curating rap caviar, um, and it, it kind of shows that these are the new. The new radio formats, um, these these kind of evolving playlists that are um, managed by by Spotify. Um, but yeah, and it's but I think you're right that it's a maximizing a number of those with the stipulation. It's all I, I really do think about like the spin studio, um, specifically the spin studio that we go to, but also the notional spin studio. The notional spin studio. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, right. It's like Hegel writes a lot about the notional spin yeah, studio. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, um, there's, there's like in Kant, there's the spin studio in itself, right? Right. But right. Like, you can only actually be in, you can only know. It's it's how he bridged, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, British imperialism and continental rationalism, right? There can be uh, a rationally rationally, uh, theorizable or, you know, um, testable reality out there, but you have to go into a particular spin studio, clip into a particular <laughs> set of pedals, and you know, and and go and 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 listen to a particular Halsey, Halsey song. song. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that? But they don't pay. They don't pay royalties on that stuff, do they? I mean, like even at the even at the national chain level, right? Don't spin studios just just uh, really? Well, they, they just sh- play the Spotify list, yeah. Yeah, they really spin studios ought to be because they're like. Uh, publicly performing those songs in the context of Man. doing a commercial Dude, enterprise. You are you're you're about to like make that whole house of cards just fall down. <laughs> <laughs> Holy just, like, cow! Dominoes, dominoes yeah, of blew, you just blew this thing wide open. Yeah, I, I don't think the Spinsters could bear the brunt of such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, of actually licensing, getting. Uh, um, well, they're not mechanicals, but like getting whatever the licenses are for those for those songs. Uh, and it, sorry, I'm looking at Teen Party now. Uh, <laughs> so it's got it's got two Bieber songs. It's got Despacito, the remix, and, uh, I'm, and the one. I'm the one. Yep. Uh, it's got some uh, B Miller, who I think was on the uh, I think she was on the New York Your Times playlist. Article. Yeah. yeah, that I found. Uh, uh, I found that New York Times article, by the way. So, if you want to know, um, if you want to know who the hot young singer songwriters were of 2015, you can definitely go do that. Harry Styles on here, now or never from Hopeless mm. Mountain Kingdom. Um, yep. Is there any Fifth Harmony on there? There is Fifth Harmony. There, uh, Miley Cyrus, Malibu, the uh, the new. Um, 
uh, the new like wholesome Miley Cyrus is on here. Right. There's some chain smokers on here. Jason Derulo. Oh, swallow. Speaking, speaking of yeah, speaking of uh, emerging heap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, well, so speaking. So speaking of um, Fifth Harmony. Um, let's hold talk. On, no, hold on, just bit. one second. I gotta follow this playlist. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so, so a member of um, uh, Fifth Harmony shows up on Strangers, right? Um, this is the um, this is the duet that comes late in the album, um, and this is uh, with uh, a, uh, a member, right, of, uh, of Fifth Harmony who sings the duet. Um, Lauren, and I don't know, L- Lauren Jorigui? Uh, Jora. So she's Cuban. She's, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is this a, 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 a yeah? How would you guess? I don't know. Hor- Horigui. Uh, yeah, I, you know I, what, I, Let me I, ask. Let me ask my friend the internet when you make Lauren your. Lauren Origui. I don't know. I would, maybe I would say Origui. I it, I honestly don't know. <laughs> But anyway, uh, this is why I kept trying to not say her name. But so, yeah, Lauren uh, uh of, of Fifth Harmony is here singing a it's also another kind of a, uh, uh, a don't you want me baby. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a same sex. Don't you want me baby? Um, and I, I thought this was an interesting song. I like this song. I feel like the production of it is very like cool Kate Bush. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it, it, it was. To me, it had all all gave me like positive feelings. I think it's hard to sort of. I, I'll be honest, though, it's hard to call a song a duet when like I literally just thought it was layered vocals. But so that two versions of the same person's voice. Yes, and so I think when when you have auto tuned people that much, it's it kind of loses like I think the friction of what like a duet should have. Right. Like a duet should feel should like contrast. There should be contrast. Right. There should be contrast in the vocals. Um, right. For example, the one, the, one yeah. the one vocal trying to leave and the other vocal saying, baby, it's cold outside. Let me date rape you. Right. There is definitely some friction there. Uh, <laughs> if those voices had the exact same pitch and, and timber, it wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> no, it would not. It would not make any sense. And I do think there is something. um kind of like a missed opportunity here in that, in that I think uh, the the vocals are just like a little too pitched to be the same way. So or who's, like, a, who's a female, we played the same exercise, Who's a, who is a better female singer to duet with Halsey on this song? I, you know, I think that's, I don't know, that's hard to say. I guess, I don't know. I mean. Who would have, who would have maximum contrast? Maybe someone like a brassier, very resonant <laughs> voice. Patty Lupone. <laughs> Patty Lupone. Yeah, there you go. It's like it's about an older, more experienced lover. Patty Lupone. <laughs> That's an amazing. She doesn't idea. kiss me on the mouth anymore. <laughs> I can't. I can't do Patty Lupone. Uh, that, was a, that was a that was a great. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think it's a good question. I don't know who like. I mean, honestly, Lord is very different sounding. Yeah. Lord is different, and they're both kind of breathy, raspy singers. But like, Lord has a kind of more has a different. I think Halsey is more nasal than Lord, so yeah. there would be some contrast there. Katy Perry. Katy Perry, yes, is a little more like. And we you, do know that she kissed a girl. That and, she, and she right, and she liked. So do, it's part of. The, Katy Perry universe. I mean, do you feel like uh, do you feel like we have to stay in the pop universe, or could we go out to like Macy Gray or someone like that? Oh, to- yeah, no, that yeah. could be interesting. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, that would make. I I think that would be cool. Um, I don't know. I like. Yeah, I just think there needed to be more contrast, and it's possible that I'm just like I'm not familiar enough with Lauren's voice to really know whether it has like. A lot of contrast, but I just think whatever they did in the production and mixing, it flattened it. it, flattened it. And I, I honestly didn't even realize it was a duet until I read that it was a duet. Same. And so I don't think that's good. <laughs> I think that's not, that's a very damning thing that I had no idea this was a duet listening to it. But just sort of doing the same like this thing, you know, uh delving into the lyrics a little bit right uh the chorus is is we're not lovers we're just strangers we're just strangers with the same damn hunger to be touched to be loved to feel anything at all and and a little bit like 
I don't know. If you feel that disaffected when you're 21, you probably should wait five years before you start dating seriously. You know, that, that. <laughs> well, this is again, it's better to have not loved at all. Like, just like, <laughs> just like take a, take a love gap year, right? right. <laughs> Until you're ready for, to, to enroll to in, love. in, yeah. in, 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 to, to enroll in love university, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's right. Ain't no shame in that game, taking a love gap year. Um, and kind of kind of figuring it out, kind yeah. of figuring out like how to how to be at home with yourself. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, uh, you and just want to say, Halsey, yeah, there's there, there. You just want to say, Halsey, you've loved everybody, but the one person who matters most. Yourself, Halsey. <laughs> and, right, and, and she knows that because she says that in her songs, but she doesn't like take she doesn't take a chill pill or slow her roll. Which in some ways, I guess, resonates with Romeo and Juliet. Again, it's interesting because this, like, there are parallels in this of, like, kind of, like, loose misreadings of Romeo and Juliet, right? Like, well, uh, society has mm. internalized these negative feelings that, and, and, like, has made me anxious and alienated me from other people, which makes it impossible for love to flourish. And I haven't slowed my role, though, on that. <laughs> and yet I persist. And continue to love in a painful and sort of debilitating way. Yeah. Uh, but all of this is like a, a misread. Like it's like three, three or four steps removed from like whatever parallel there is in the Romeo and Juliet, uh, you know, story. Even to the point of like I, you know, and looking at the genius notes because genius has so many genius ideas. Uh, one of the you know, the song about like uh, about her throwing a party where she's like kind of socially anxious about throwing, the, you know, at I the party angel, angel on, fire. on fire. You know, it mentions that there's a parallel to the masquerade ball in Romeo and Juliet. Yes, there's a parallel mm-hmm. in that there's a party that happened. <laughs> a party happened, guys. There's also there's also a parallel to every episode of Gossip Girl. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I do really feel like this lives, you know, in a it like we were talking about other kind of parallels that it it's definitely a the darkest version of the Gossip Girl verse. Like if Gossip Girl was only um Chuck and Serena at rock bottom. Oh uh, sure, yeah, yeah, Chuck boning Jenny Humphrey, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Speaking, speaking of the pretty reckless, like that yeah. that thing. And this actually this is exactly the sort of music that would soundtrack a lot of that. Exactly. Yes. That that, that is one of the great that occurred to me that is a great shame because like Halsey could have been the in-house kind of performer for Gossip Girl, for many stretches of Gossip Girl. There, yeah. there were moments on skins like this too, because there were like there were plenty of drug fueled parties on skins when we were when we were a teen soap opera podcast. Um remember those days? Remember those what what great days those were uh that like plenty of scenes like that where there's a party and everyone's high and it's it's sort of liberating but it's also vaguely threatening and there are colors and (laughs) you can't like you can't really focus and like the bass the like the bass is thumping i like so much of the weekend sounds like music for that kind of scene right. to me uh-huh. <laughs> you know? the, or the drug scene in an after school special where our our like yeah. squeaky clean virginal heroine uh is peer yep. pressured into taking drugs and has like just a terrible trip at at some party or or other yep. the kind of like you know electronic uh r&b yeah. kind of thing that like uh Thing, thing it is like that's a genre of of music yeah, yeah. Of, like popular I call it, music. I call it right. a genre. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. scared? <laughs> 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 hey, you know, I have to confess the only other like kind of like anti drug thing I remember aside from Saved by the Bell is the like Alf special. <laughs> and and let me tell you, just like animated Alf, like. And dealing with like uh, uh like someone using cocaine is like enough to like make you not want to do cocaine. I guess. Okay, so we are the old Americana raised, raised on, on Alf, raised on Alf and Saved by the Bell, <laughs> and that's why we'll never totally get uh, Halsey. Uh, it, uh, we are not of her Americana. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Like the of illegal marijuana, where like a nickel bag of shake would cost you. You know, I don't know. You can get uh. 
you can get like 250 milligrams of the purest CBD oil for uh, never mind. Not that I know anything <laughs> about that. <laughs> uh, but but yes, so these are the, the like we we are from a different time uh, than than Halsey. Although ironically, I would say that Biggie and Nirvana, I actually was raised on because like I was actually a child. Right, right. But you <laughs> you didn't hear it in utero. No, I didn't. Think, oh, think about it. <laughs> think about it. Slow pun. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and so you were ready to die <laughs> and i think that uh that that sound means that the sound of me devolving into puns means that it's probably time to call, call this that we are that that it is hopeless for us here uh in our fountain kingdom um but again uh if if you listen to all this and have not listened to halsey listen to halsey it is a um because it is really an album of this moment and and all of these kind of contradictions and of you know of Halsey saying she doesn't want to be a pop star, but this will absolutely be a big pop album. Um, and these these attempts uh, at at reaching for for literature and for meaning and for for shock value and it hitting in unexpected ways makes this an interesting album. And it's an album that if you um, ever go to a spin studio or um, certain kinds of boutiques, you will hear. So get get familiar uh, with uh, Helpless Fountain Found Kingdom. Get familiar with Halsey. Um, this isn't the last you'll uh, hear of her. The the uh, the chain smokers always knock twice, uh, so they'll there they'll almost certainly will be another uh, collaboration, or maybe she'll show up on a DJ uh, DJ Khaled song with her new friend Quavo. Uh, but mm. wherever Halsey pops up, uh, whether it is in your spin studio or at an Eltrian stop near you, just know that when she shows up, both she and you will be keeping it real. <laughs> 